In episode 5.4 of Unshuffled, we discuss the latest album from Denver's Abrams. It's called In the Dark. So let's get into it. Welcome, Unshuffled listeners. Welcome to you all around the world, wherever you may be listening. Nice to have you back or on board if this is your first time. You'll soon work it out anyway. This is Unshuffled. We're doing it again. And uh, I'm your host, Matt. And joining me, as he always does from Japan, is my man, Scotty D. Hey, Scott. Oh, hey, Matt. Hi, everybody. Happy, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yeah, it's uh, a happy end of year. I'm sure you're all excited about uh, the beginning of a new year and reviewing your best of lists. We might have a bit of a chat about that later on. But for now, we are going to be covering a band, an album by a band. And this is what we do on Shuffle. We, we pick a band that we should have listened to and we go through album by album and, and explore them. It's our way of... Uh, uh, listening intentionally, um, trying to bring back the album here on Unshuffled. So uh, hopefully you're with us on that, listener. Hopefully you're joining us on the journey. The band we are doing is a band that we covered a little while ago. It was over a year ago now, about a year and a half ago we finished up with them. The band is called Abrams from Denver. And as we always do when a band that we've covered releases a new album, we we give that a listen too so, and sort of add it to the, uh, the catalogue. And uh, so it's always exciting, that, you know, to come back to a band that we've covered before, and that's what we're doing here with the new album from Abrams, which Scott is going to tell us all about. Tell us all about it, Scotty. All right, let's do this. Uh, so this album came out in September. It was September 8th of this year, 2022. It was produced by Dave Otero, who did Modern Ways, uh, the last album, and then Abrams. It looks like they had a hand in producing this as well. Label, our friends at Small Stone. And uh, it was recorded at Flatline Audio, which is in Denver, which I think the last album was also recorded there as well. Uh, lineup, we, we have, so we've got our, our three, uh, Zachary Amster, guitar vocals, Taylor Iverson, bass vocals, Ryan DeWitt on drums, and we've added Patrick Alberts on guitar, who comes from the band Call of the Void. And I remember he was, I think he was in the credits on the last album, wasn't he? Is like somewhere... He- as- he was, yeah. Now, it was released in 2020, the last one. I, I do recall some of our discussion about it. It was sort of a, just as COVID was kicking off and there was that decision of whether they needed to release, whether they should release it or not. Some bands were holding off their releases and they decided to go mm-hmm. ahead with theirs. It was about May. Okay. And, uh, yeah, uh, what's his name? Alberts? Patrick Alberts, yeah. Patrick Alberts, yeah. He was listed on the credits and you had actually speculated on the last album that you thought maybe he'd, some of his guitar playing had snuck its way into the previous album. So there was some speculation that maybe he was already in the mix on the previous album, but they were still officially a three-piece at that time. But, yeah, now he's a, he's a certified and official member of the band. Well, you may be an all prescient and whatnot. Hmm. Yeah, so it, it's uh, we've got the, the three of them, plus we're now, we're now no longer a trio. We're uh, dealing with a four-piece here. And uh, as far as recording in Colorado, 
I mean, they they are from Colorado. They seem to be pretty heavily based there. I even went and looked up like tour dates and stuff. That most everything is pretty Colorado centric. Yeah, I think they might have traveled um, previously. They've been with this Otero guy for a few albums now, maybe even from the start. But something tells me they traveled to some like a Utah or something for for one of their previous um, recordings. But I guess there's plenty of decent studios in Denver, so why not just record right. in your hometown? Seems to be plenty happening in Denver at the moment. Bit of a, a hot and happening scene. There's a few good bands that seem to be coming uh, out of the Rockies there. So, um, yeah, a bit of a happening scene, which is nice. Which is probably some solace for them, given the way their NFL team's performing at the moment. <laughs> uh, is that uh, a cheap shot? Sorry, sorry, Denver. or <laughs> Sorry, Denver listeners. Um, all right. Look, we probably should get into it. We, we, um, have you spoken about the artwork? No, I was going to go. In, I spilled water all over my notes. Um, <laughs> just, just like right now, literally right now. Uh, okay, so uh, I really, I really do like uh, the, the cover. Is Robin? Is it Gins, Ginsela? Gin, Ginista? Mm, Nista? Ginista? I don't know. Ginista? Is that? Is that like a ny, like in the like new or something? Uh, Nista. Or, or oh, I bet that would. Gnostic. Nista. Nista. I think it's Nista. I don't. I don't know. I did, I did some. I, I couldn't figure out whether or not it was a he or a she uh, based on mm. the name Robin. Doesn't matter. I, I really. I really like. Kind of, I, there was. A, I think you might have linked it. It in probably matters notes. to Robin. I'm sure. I'm sure it does. And those that love him or her dearly. Um, but I looked at like a lot of the work that he or she has done, and and I really like it. It's, it's there's a lot going on with sort of like circles, half circles, kind of that color wheel effect, and you see that sort of motif that shows up in sort of a lot of like the concert posters and um, other albums he's done or she is is definitely showing up here. And very I, retro based vibes. on exactly, and based on the artwork alone, I would, I would this would be a cool vinyl to have in my collection. I really like it. Hmm. Yeah, me too, and uh, I think. Um... Nista has done some work for other bands, including Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. And yeah, they've all got that 70s vibe with the sort of lo- lots of primary colours and, and blacks in the in the palette. Very clean lines and it shines through here. So uh, yeah, cool cool album cover. And it's looked good on my, as my phone screensaver for the last month or so. Mm-hmm. And um, all right, anything else to discuss or should we get into the track by track? I think we should get into it. Yeah, let's do it. You want to take us away today? Yeah, we'll start off. First track is called "Like Hell." It's the we kind of we open with this sort of drumming intro, and you've got the feedback kind of leading into this power chord progression that that sort of drives the song. It the, the reverb on the vocals reminds me of something. I, there's and it, it, it's going to, and I don't know if I ever figured out what it is. But there's gonna, I mean, we're gonna hit a stretch of three songs here that sort of have these crazy nostalgia vibes for me, which is weird considering I'd never heard this album before. But I'll get into that as we get there. But there's some sort of reverb on the vocal effect there. There is kind of a very melodic hooks. Uh, there's a call back to sort of like an underground '90s sort of heavier alt rock vibe. I don't, maybe even late '90s, early aughts. There's some Baroness Queens of the Stone Age feel going on here. The one thing is, I was looking, listening to the song, and trying to do some research. So somebody needs to to start an Abrams Wikipedia page, 
because there were so many things that I was trying to sort of like dig into and I was starting at Wikipedia and I could find nothing. And maybe that's us. I don't know. As we've mm -hmm. done the deep dive now on the fourth album. I like this song though. It's, it's, it's a good, it's a good opening. It's not my favorite track on the album, but it's definitely a good opener. Yeah. I liked it too. They do like to start with a sort of rocking opener for their albums. They did it on the previous two albums. There was uh, worlds away and modern ways on, on uh, the previous album. So they like to kick things off with a, with a sort of rockier track. This one, straight away, you could hear the sort of beefier sound that the having that extra guitar brings. Uh, so I really like the sound of this album right from the start, you know, from the snappy drum sound and, and, the, and the sort of gutsy guitars here and some really nice vocal harmonies, which we've heard from them in the past, but to me it's a highlight of the band and, and that they've kind of gone up a notch with the, the harmonies on this album and it'll, I'll be talking about those throughout. To me, I think of the, there's two singers, right? Iverson, the bass player, who I think of as the Bob Mould guy. To me, he sounds like, when I hear his voice, it just reminds me of, of Bob Mould for, for whatever mm. reason. It's not that close, but it's just a in that sort of vein. And then there's the other guy, which is Zach Amster, who his voice has changed a lot since the start. It's so sweet and, and melodic now. It's really, uh, really pleasant. So he, his um, his vocals are uh, a real highlight to me, and, and the, just the way he's improved as a singer from album to album. I think it's, uh, a credit to him. Really, like nothing fancy here. It's a fairly simple song, but well written. And, and um, yeah, I got quite vibes here on this one as well. Influences, and and you're right. That word nostalgia. I had that feeling too. As soon as I put it on, I thought, oh, this sounds like. But then hmm. it was always just a dot, dot, dot at that point. I, yep. like, it sounds like something, but what? And, I, and I, I found that interesting that it sounded so familiar and yet difficult to pin down. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll talk about a few other influences of, you know, in, in some of the other songs, but it was really difficult to say this band sounds like that other band, I thought. I'm, um, I'm going to throw a bunch of, by the time we get, to the end of this, I'll have thrown a bunch of band names at the wall, and I don't know that any of them is the right one. Yeah, which I think is a real credit to the band that they've um, they've got definitely got their own sound, and yet it, it's somehow strangely familiar. I, I think. I mean, maybe it's just that they've got influences that we haven't heard. I don't know, but uh, to me, it's it's not not obvious. Our second song is called "Death Tripper," uh, so we have Amster on vocals. Here. The first one was the Bob Mould guy. This one is uh, Amster, the sweeter, more melodic singer. But of course, the bass player steps in throughout the songs, in, in especially in the in the chorus. You know, the "Won't You Turn Around" bit. I do like the way they trade lead vocals there. So I like having the sweet Amster vocals in the chorus, and then uh, the other fellow um, Iverson on in the chorus. Some nice whaley sounds in, and the extra guitar allows for a little bit more color in some of the different tracks in the mix. So there's a sort of whaley sound in the background and it's really well mixed, this song, so so well balanced. Well, each instrument is, is clear and plays its plays an equal part. So I thought the mixing was a highlight, very professionally recorded. And um, yeah, I mean, this is just another good song. Your thoughts? Yeah, so I want to first draw on a couple of things that you said. <clears throat> 
the one thing that I kept, I think, as I was, because we've taken some time off from from Abrams. It's 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 been a little bit since I've kind of, as you mentioned at the top of the show, and I kept just as I was listening, thinking back to how much this band has changed since the first album, right? I mean, this is this is the fourth album, and 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 they have sort of time has passed, but man, it's such a, a different an improved sound. I, I really like just even the, the way the, I mean, on one hand, the, the production value, but also the, the performance of the, the singing and, 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 and the musicianship. And the, I bring that up because I really like how sort of the riff, the, the guitar riff and the bass riff kind of play off each other. They're not playing the same thing, right? But they're still sort of playing this balance of, of kind of whatever that middle is and, and maybe that middle is sort of a kind of the straightforward rhythm guitar and and having adding Patrick Alberts to the mix allows them to kind of sort of play with the palette a little bit right they're able to add kind of a little bit more by way of color and you hear that coming through in this song and you can feel and even just the way the bass is and, and I'm going to talk about this a lot too the way that the bass and the drums fit so perfectly well together in that there's kind of this this rhythm section that's just super tight and connected. And then you've got the guitars kind of sort of swirling in and kind of filling in sort of the, the colors, the palette, if you will. And then I like how the voices work together, too. This song was one that kind of just jumped out at me, I think, as, as being super distinct from what they've been doing or what I've heard from the last several albums. Which, that takes us into Better Living. This, oh, wait, I wanted to say something about the Death Tripper. I read in an interview somewhere that I think uh, Zach Amster had described it as sonically dark and sassy. I like mm. it. <laughs> Just nice description. Um, which takes us into uh, Better Living. And this is, this is something that, again, that nostalgia, that back in the day, and I know we, we've talked about I'm, I'm going to drop 120 minutes in Headbangers Ball, which wasn't as ingrained into your upbringing as it was mine. But this is a song that definitely back in the day would have gotten heavy rotation, right? This, this would have gotten some heavy play on both 120 minutes and sort of that pre-midnight Headbangers Ball. I really like the song. I, I like how sort of Iverson is playing higher up on the neck of the bass in the verse. And it kind of, again, it just it really allows sort of the bass to come through. Um, I had, I think I had marked this as one of, as one of my favorite songs, but again, I didn't narrow it down to the favorite, but this is one that, that I really liked. Yeah, this is, well, it, this was my favorite and the one I've listened to, I've listened to this on repeat a lot, this song, uh, there's a film clip that goes with it too, uh, with some sort of psychedelic, uh, retro vibes in the clip. There's a great rising action to this song as they start to build it up piece by piece. You know, we've got Amster's lovely melodic voice in the opening and then, you know, gradually they bring in different instruments. So it's a sort of dreamy feel to the open. But then to me, the high, there's a sort of synthy. I don't know if it's a synth or it's a guitar or whatever. I don't, it doesn't really bother me what it is, but you can hear it in the background in the opening section and then it sort of takes over as the band all join in it's just really effective the way this thing that was in the background suddenly comes forward, you know, and you sort of hardly notice it. And I said, like, "Oh, there it is. That's that's sort of driving the song. That that sound." And yeah, you mentioned that lovely bass line throughout. 
and some great singing. There's a really sort of impassioned vocal performance later on when he's... And, and this sounds like a very personal song. I think the lyrics are, I've been getting drunk my whole life. Like it sounds like, and I've, I think in the interview he mentioned, this is a song about that feeling that you want to change the way you're living, but it's hard to do. And uh, it sounds like he's written it from a very personal level here. And there's even a little bit of a, a solo later on. I think that's Amster who plays those. Again, it's that nostalgic 90s feel, but again, which band? I don't quite know. But uh, yeah, just a, a really good song. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Like the film clip too. Well done. I like the next one as well. It's called In the Clouds. I don't. I think you'll hear me say I like that song a lot as we go through here. Hmm. This is a nice contrast because the opening's got this real thundering drummy bit. Um, it does give way though to a slower, gentler section. Something about your way. Uh, I don't know. Um, but I like the contrast, and that's something they do well again throughout this album so lots of volume contrasts, tempo contrasts and and they're really smooth with their changes and really tight from one section of a song to another great attention to detail in this song lots of little things that you pick up you know on your third or fourth listen in the different layers of the of the tracks and um look it's a short song but you know i, I really like the contrast between the gentler parts and the, and the heavier sections of this song i thought uh, and just another good song they're, they're on a roll at this point you like this one yeah i do this is actually you mentioned it being a short song i think this is the shortest one on the album it comes in just under three minutes mm. I, I marked this song as another one that i think really kind of does a good job of, of showcasing where the band has come right if you were to hold this song up against something off the first two albums it would almost sound like a totally different band um, the singing style and, and every other aspect of it. Well, I, I really, and you kind of mentioned sort of the, the, the dynamics a little bit. And this song kind of has, in, in its under three minutes, it has everything. It has, it's got uh, kind of oh, the melody, right? The catchy melody. It's got the sludge that just kind of comes in and just keeps it kind of dirty and muddy. The, and, and, and the drums are, the way the drums come through on sort of the dynamics of the quiet and loud bits. I really like how this whole thing comes together and it is, it's quick. It just kind of, you get in, you get out and, uh, and, and, and yeah. And then which moves us into fever dreams, which again is another song that I, I think a lot of what I was focusing on when I was listening to is the way that they're playing with space. It's sort of this, this one has kind of this clean guitar, that kind of builds up and then falls away. And then at the pre-chorus, there this overdrive kicks in, right? And and sort of, or sorry, the pre-chorus kind of plays with the space and then the overdrive kicks in at the chorus. And then it goes mm. back to the clean again. And so they're playing not only with dynamics, but they're also playing with sound. And there's just, there's a lot of kind of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Uh, I, I want to say adventurous, but that's not it. It's, but there is a lot more sort of ex experimental kind of with, with the sound and the, and the structure that I'm hearing on this album. Yeah, this was one of my favorites. Not quite my favorite, but uh, Fever Dreams is great. It sort of just uh, starts off sounding like your normal mid-tempo rock song. But yeah, you're right. The contrast, that, that bit where they yell out stop after the verses and it, it all sort of gives way. And then, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, that, that, chorus, that sort of soaring vocal part in the chorus. And a really nice... This, there are sort of, I wouldn't say there's guitar solos in the traditional sense on this album, but there's some really nice melodic 
solo-y bits here, and this one has one of those as it's fading out. So, yeah, another good song. Like We're five songs in, and we've said that about all of them so far, and I think I'm going to say it about the next one as well. This one's great too, Body Pillow. This is a longer song, five, over just over five minutes. This, so the five minutes gives them a bit of extra time So there's because there's an extended instrumental section in this one with some good sort of solo work, melodic, some melodic stuff. Great contrast, it's sort of dreamier bits. And then uh, this one's got a, hmm, I, I, can I say the word, anthemic. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I had to drop it in. The, the chorus, you are the night, I'm just an object in the sky. That part is, you know, quite a sing-along bit. And then the, towards the end, they're talking about running away. So there's, there's some emotion in the song and, and, and some great sing, some emotional maturity, I would say, um, that's evident on, on this song and throughout this album. I think they've come a long way, not just musically, but in terms of the things that, that they're singing about, and um, yeah, they seem to be—they seem to have grown up quite a bit. I guess it's been a long time since they started. Um, so yeah, I felt a real sort of emotional uh, impact from this song, and uh, it was great. It was great. So this is this is where my nostalgia trip starts. It's these songs. It's like this nostalgia trilogy. It's six, seven, and eight for me, and it starts right here with yep. Body Pillow. First, I, I really like the riff, and it was it's the riff. is It's something. It's reminding me of something, and I'm just all of a sudden, I'm like, what is it? What is it? But I, I'm pinpointing like a certain time in my life where, where this is reminding me of. And I'm sitting here trying to think, is it something Alice in Chainsy? Is it like, is it like a kind of a, a cleaned up, polished sludge factory? Is it is it something like a deep cut off of like, Foo Fighters second album is it like that era is it there's something here where I like I can see myself in Iowa in university brutal winter days right ducking into Joe's place bar for a beer and popcorn on the way home from school it there's I was listening to something at that time and this this song takes me there right it takes me to that moment and that continues with leather jacket the next song. And, and at this point now, as I'm, I, I, I'm so focused on, I think I've lost track of sort of the structures of the song itself. And I'm still, I'm so focused on what in the hell is this reminding me of? Um, I had exactly the same feeling. So it's, yeah, it's amazing that we both had this exact same experience of. Well, so then I started back. thinking back, okay, what was I listening to at this time? And I started thinking of all the bands that I was listening to at this time. And I've already thrown a couple of them out there. And, and as I was listening, I'm like, oh, I can hear like little bits of every single one of these things. Like I was thinking of, uh, I was kind of into that, what the hell do they call it? Like the post, post rock or whatever, right? Tortoise and explosions in the sky and those kind of bands. I can hear a little bit of that in there. I feel like uh, there was this band Pinback where they had this, just the bass, the sound of the bass on, on a Pinback album was so distinct. And I picked that, like I felt like it's just kind of this clean sort of, I don't know, sort of strong bass that's kind of in your face. Um, a bit of Deftones. I'm picking up some Deftones in there. 
but it's it's the the bass in this song. The bass in this song gets in there and gives me the feelings. And I can't pinpoint what those feelings are, but I'm getting it. And this is a song that I just found myself. I think this is the one I finally landed on as my favorite song, where I just kept coming back to. That's Leather Jacket? Yep, it's Leather Jacket. And this is the one that when I would, like, I would pick up my bass and try to start playing along with it, right? Mm. I was just, I wanted to sort of recapture that, whatever it was. Yeah. It's amazing. We had the same experience. We landed on completely different bands. But, uh, yeah, there is that feeling of, I've heard this, and I, it feels like, you know, me in my 20s. Yeah. It's, some of the bands that came to my mind were Sugar, which we'll talk about mm. in the next song, um, to That's some your degree. Second. That's your second Bob Mould reference. Yeah. Um, man, I, Alice in Chains, I, for some reason, like, maybe it's the fact that they use harmonies that got me thinking Alice in Chains. What are some, like, there's a cave-in album that, I mean, that was Nate Newton, remember him? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. They, they were a sort of heavier band, but they released a, a fairly straightforward alt-rock album called Antenna, which I really liked. So it reminded me a little bit of that. Other bands that came to my mind were Bush and Audio Slave, like that sort of 90s vibe, hmm. and, and Queens of the Stone Age as well. But it, but you can't say, oh, yeah, they sound like that band. I just didn't. It, it was frustrating but also nice. Frustrating when part of our job is to try and, or our, our role here on this podcast <laughs> is to try and pin down influences, and it was like trying to catch a will-o'-the-wisp, you know? I don't have much more to add on Leather Jacket. I'll move on to White Sand, perhaps, because this was big sugar vibes in this one. Because it, Firstly, because it's got um, Iverson on vocals, who reminds me of Bob Mould, and also just the sort of sound of the guitar here. This was... Um, uh, and the sort of sadness that, that Mould brings to his songwriting. There's, you know, this is uh, there's some I'm alone again, put me down in the dirt, or let me die. So there's some, this one... The, the first album was filled with... Lyrics like this sort of um, the pain of relationships and all that sort of stuff, and it probably got a bit much then. But I think it's, this is not out of place here, and this is um, and it's got a more hopeful ending anyway, with the come and fly bit and an uplifting finish to what I think is a great song. And um, yeah, I love Sugar, so I'm happy to be reminded of sort of copper blue era Sugar as I was very much with White Sand. So this is the third in my nostalgia trip, and I hadn't even considered sugar. And that that maybe that that would that would tie into what I would have been listening to at that time as well. I like the way that the the their harmonies play together, or their vote. I don't even know if I could call it harmonies. Their vocal stylings, though. I like the way that they sort of play off each other. The doubling. I assume it's them. I mean, I assume one of them's not doubled their vocals. I assume it's the two of them together. Um, but there is definite doubling of vocals on the chorus that kind of really just gives it that extra punch. There's again the dynamic shift when, and then there's the moment where the chorus kind of goes, it, it almost goes like mono, right? It almost like we, we go from stereo to sort of this mono sound, which kind of just brings everything, makes everything quiet again, and then leads us right to the outro of the song. And that leads us to In the Dark, which is fitting considering my situation right now in this big, dark, empty building tucked away in the corner. God knows what's lurking out there in the dark hallways. Anyway, the uh, the opening guitar riff has sort of this moody atmosphere to it. 
there's the reverb effect on the vocals that kind of add to that. Um, the intro lasts about, I don't know, a minute plus, give or take. And I, the first time I listened to the song, I really I couldn't pinpoint where this song was going. I had no idea of what direction the song was going to go. The f- drums felt like they were building, right? And then all of a sudden it settles into this groove. And when it settled into that groove, I found myself thinking, oh, well, this isn't, this isn't what I was thinking. Um, and it goes there for about a minute. And then uh, through the first verse. And then at the chorus, it, it picks up. And it's like, oh, okay, wait, that's where I thought this was going, right? So it's almost like that delayed, uh, it, it kind of brings you to this point, pulls you back, mm-hmm. leaves you hanging there for a minute, and then kicks it off again. Um, and it does that when it gets into the chorus. The drums, I mean, I know they're called drum fills, and they're, the job is to fill. But man, I love the sound of the drums that kind of just fill in the space and how, how that's being used here. Um, I also like how, again, how the bass is being layered on top of the guitar. And, and once again, it's, it just comes down to the dynamics of the way that they're playing with space and dynamics in the song. I don't have too much to add. It sounds like you enjoy the song, so, um, and I did too. Great title track. Uh, I think one of the things that has marked their evolution as a band is the, the way they're, they're more restrained now. They know, like, less is more, I guess, at times. And, and um, you certainly get that here, you know, that slow, patient build-up. There's a lot of restraint there. No, let's, let's not go just yet. Let's, let's just wait and um, leave space and, and just let, let this build slowly. So that's, um, that's nice. And because it's a longer song, this one, you get a sort of extended jammy bit near the end, and I always love it when they do that. It's a couple of songs off previous albums. Um, my favourite songs off the previous albums have been the longer ones where they jam out a little bit, and this has got one of those, as does the next song. The last track, if you ignore the bonus track, the last track on the album is called Black Tar Mountain, which has a stoner rock kind of opening a, a queens of the tempo queens of the tempo queens of the stone age tempo sort of rock which got me thinking what what genre is this band was the with the other question not, not just what are their influence but what's their genre is it stoner rock i mean they're on small stone which is kind of stoner rock mostly if, if i was putting this on my ipod back in the day i had to file it under something it probably would have just been alternative yeah, I don't. There's also a, a subtle psychedelic vibe going on. Yeah. Yeah, but I never had psychedelic as one of my options on my iPod. Mm. I, th- I think I just lumped anything I couldn't, anything that wasn't metal, I put into alternative, I think. I think that's what I'd call this. Yeah. And they go alongside, you know, your dinosaur juniors and your smashing pumpkins and all those types of bands. That's, that's where they'd end up. If I was all right, all right, I still had enough. an iPod anyway. But again, it's not. It starts that way. It starts as a stoner rock song, but it it changes, and they do it so well. There's a slower, beautiful section with Amster singing as he does, as he tends to do in the slower moments on the album. And again, it's that restraint that um, that makes the song for me. It is the, the restraint in those slower sections. The last couple of albums had cracking last songs marionettes on the previous album was my favorite song on that one and mm. this isn't they they know how to finish an album and this is another one i really like the last couple of minutes of this song beautiful sort of fades out slowly during this melodic section with it when the drums just starting to really 
go to town and, and, and a nice fade out. Probably could have gone on longer, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, really enjoyed the end of this song. I thought it was a fitting end to the album. And the album, you know, we've got we're 10 songs now. I don't think at any point there's been the slightest hint of filler. 10 great songs, and this is a really good way to finish it. This one, I, in fact, that's what I wrote down is this is a killer album closer. Um, this is a great end of album track. Uh, it, something in the beginning, the, the first kind of that opening um, riff, I, I don't know why I got like 70s Judas Priest vibes. Mm. <laughs> like straight up, like, like a van. A, 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 a dark van with like the album cover sort of, you know, decaled on the side of it. And it would be blasting out this Judas Priest vibe from a mall in like 1979. And they said somewhere in an interview that, uh, that, that they would jam out the end of this song. And I realized that this isn't my favorite song on the album, but I could tell, I could feel where at the end of and you, you referenced it at the end of it where kind of you've got that groove and you can see where the jam's building, but it fades, right? You can see where it's all building up to something, but then the song kind of just fades out. And I think that if, and that's where I was actually looking. It was after I listened to this song where I immediately went to find, when are they touring? Is this something like, could I go see them this summer when I'm back in the U S do they come to Japan? Does, you know, is, is that, would that be in the cards? Because if they did, Osaka would be the perfect place for them to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it doesn't look like there's anything beyond Colorado kind of on their on their radar at the moment. Um, but I could see walking away from a concert thinking that Black Tar Mountain, hands down, was my favorite song of that show. Mm-hmm. Like if they were to jam that out, I could see yeah. that would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, which leads us to the bonus track. And I don't – East Coast Dreams. First off, I don't, I don't fully understand – what it means by being a bonus track. Like I get it if, if the album's been out for a while and, and then, you know, they reissue it and now it's got an additional track, but I, not a bonus track to me. I didn't know any better. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, I didn't, I only know this version with the 11 tracks and it's a good song. And again, it plays with dynamics, space, whatnot. It has the, the doubling of the vocals that add the effect again, that the drums that are, um, but my, I think my whole thing is, is that this felt like um, a middle of the album song. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if you can make a bonus track be track nine, <laughs> you know, flip it around just so, cause you, you really kind of, the thing, it, the album needs to end on Black Tar Mountain. I mean, that's yeah. just kind of a, I think the perfect way for this album to end. Yeah, I agree. And the, and the vinyl probably does, perhaps, I don't know. The CD yeah. is sitting in your mailbox in, uh, in the hills of. Vermont at the moment, so I don't, I can't check the track listing on the CD. But yeah, look, the song's fine. It's, it's not, it's probably the least interesting song on the album. So to me, yeah, I, I'm like you. I just kind of why put that here when we just just had that perfect finish, and then, um, and then this comes on. It's like, oh, but no, that's not how I want this to end. Right. I, I don't think it adds much anyway. But um, doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't change my overall feelings on the album, which we can get into now perhaps. I, look, clearly I thought, look, I enjoyed Modern Ways. That was an excellent album, but I think this is a step up again. I think this is clearly their best album. I really enjoyed the whole album from start to finish. As we've discussed, it felt familiar and yet so hard to pin down their influences exactly. It's a really easy listen, and I don't, that, I don't mean that 
in a detrimental way. It, it's such a pleasurable album to just sit and relax and listen to. But then there's the, the complexity that reveals itself as you give it a listen. So some, so, and that to me is a mark of good songwriting, the fact that it it draws you in so easily and yet and then slowly reveals itself to you over a few listens. The singing's great. I love the harmonies. Harmonies are one of my favourite things in music, vocal harmonies. I, I really love bands that do it well, and this band has certainly got those done. And the contrast between the voices is, is excellent. I, you know, and Avster's beautiful melodic vocals are a real highlight for me. So, look, well done uh, overall. Anything you want to add? Yeah, no, I, I, I remember. I, in fact, I remember when we first, it was, the, they started showing up on, um, God, this is still when I was living in Jakarta. Uh, they started showing up on end of the year, best up, right? And that was where, yeah. and we realized that neither of us had, had heard them at this point. And I remember when we started doing, so it would have been that, that following, I think, summer or whatever, we started doing and we did Lust, Love, Loss. Did I get yeah. that right? Is that the first album? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that this third album was making these best of lists. And I remember that first album just thinking, oh, this is, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do three albums of this. And then, and then it got to the second album, Morning, which I really liked. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is definitely has a different sound and I enjoy better. And then I got to Modern Ways. But now we get to this fourth album. This is a band that consistently each album outdoes the one prior to it, mm. which is great. I mean, that's, that's what you want, right? You want to hear it just, mm. and, and I really, yeah, no, I, I like, I think each album has gotten better than the last one. And I really, really do like this album. And I definitely would put this up there. In fact, as I've been reading, as all the end of the year best of album lists have been coming out, I'm, I'm looking for it, and it's showing up. It's not on all of them, but it's showing up on most of them. It is showing up. Yeah, on most well, of them. I'll, to me, it's not. I'm not seeing it as much as I think it deserves on those best of albums. The the guy that got me in, and that I've always there's a writer, Greg Kennelty, who, who now I think writes for Metal Injection. I've always sort of followed his recommendations with great interest, and he was the it was because it showed up on his. 2020 list that got me really interested now he i don't think he puts out his own list anymore he does it he does the metal injection list and it's not on that so and there's quite a few lists around that i've seen that don't have this album on it so i don't know i think it's just tough it's tough these days you mentioned are they ever going to tour japan i i don't know. I don't know that they'll ever get. I think it's getting harder for bands to tour overseas as well. You're hearing stories of bands. It's very costly now to travel. Perhaps people aren't going to live shows as much as they used to. You're hearing stories of bands who are having to do sort of GoFundMe accounts to to subsidise their tours on even what should be relatively big tours. You know, so I, it's going to be tough for them. I, I think it's hard work these days as a band. To, I'm not sure they'll ever get the success they deserve, and perhaps that they would have got 20 or 30 years ago if they'd, you know, back when it was a little bit easier. I think they'd be a great support band, a great festival band. So maybe that's this sort of way into to playing for bigger audiences, hmm. um, teaming up with some of those Denver bands that you know we've spoken about. They're not young guys either. They're, they've been around for a while now, so you know it's hard to be pick, 
picked up as the next big thing when you you know you've you've got salt and pepper in your beard and your your hair's falling out, which is you know I guess there's a bit of ageism too in in music. Um, so, but I don't think that I mean I'm sure it matters to them. I'm sure they'd love to be wildly successful and and be, to be able to give up their day jobs. But even you know we've spoken about the Atomic Bitch Wax, a band that big, they're still painting houses between tours and driving their own tour bus and, and setting up their own gear at gigs. Like, it's just hard work, I think, being a band. And, and um, I'm just glad that they're still going and still working at their craft and still developing. And to me, that that's the message, I think, with this band, is to just keep going. It's a, sort of a testament to just doing what you love and to find something you're good at and just keep working and keep improving and just to be able to put your head on the pillow at night knowing you've made something great, which I think this album is. This is a great album, and, and what a feeling that must be for them to have made this something so good. I'm sure, you know, we'd all love to have a number one album, but at the end of the day, just to produce great art, I think there's value in that in itself, and, and um, you know, hopefully it finds a wide enough audience to appreciate it. But uh, They've done all they can in terms of, making a really good album here i think yeah right fair well said i i know that they keep saying or speculating that guitar music is dead and i, I don't think that's true but i think that it's definitely at a lull right the money is not there in the way that it was you know 20 years ago hmm. um and i think that yeah there is definite a, a, a victim of sort of time where we are and circumstance um hmm. But yeah, this is this is a great band, and I think that they would be definitely have a, a, a great fit in sort of a, a stadium, or uh, not stadium, sorry, festival. Yeah, kind of a festival show. Yeah, I mean, there was a brief moment in the early two thousands when the internet was a thing, but it was bef- and just after uh, Napster had gone away, and there, there was like remember stonerock.com, the website. I, I would imagine this yeah. back in that day, this would have been you know in the everyone's lists on the stonerock.com and you would have had to buy the CD so the band would have got more money in that way. Um, hopefully our listeners have at least uh, gone to Bandcamp. I recommend it for this. I mean, you, of course you can listen to it, the stream on Spotify and the band will get a little bit from that, but much better, I think, if you can get the original and, and the, you know, you get a copy, you get get the vinyl. It's great artwork and support support these bands that are working hard to produce great art like this. Anyway, enough uh, enough preaching. We need to do the band Brownlow. You want to start this one off? Yeah, okay. I'll start. So I'm going to go. Look, we give three people votes, and this is a really good performance from the four band members. So one of them had to miss out. To me, I think the drummer misses out for me, so he's unlucky. It's Mr. DeWitts. They've changed drummers quite a bit. I remember they started with Zach Amster's. They had, they had an Amster on the drums on their first album, and they seem to have rotated that chair a little bit. It's always sounded good, though. Um, but, yeah, someone had to miss out. I really like the addition of this Alberts fellow. I think that's given the band an extra dimension. For that reason, he gets one vote for the third best performance on the album. It was always going to be between Amster and Iverson. Uh, I've given Iverson my two votes. I think you know his bass lines are excellent, really well mixed in there. You can hear him on every track. I think I think we worked out he was playing a Rickenbacker 
last time. We so, did. That's right. Um, yeah, but and, and his vocal contributions are excellent too. But to me, Zach Amster gets the three just for his more melodic singing style. The, the quieter and more memorable parts on this album, to me, are Amster's. And, um, yeah, I really like his his performance on this. And I, and I think, you know, I see him as a, a real creative driver with this band. So well done, Zachary. Um, I'm trying to think the the drummer situation. And you're right. The first... I guess this is the first time I think they've repeated drummers, right? Yeah. Um, I believe Michael Amster was playing drums on Lust, Love, Loss. Uh, Jeff Cotton played on Morning. And then I think Ryan DeWitt joined them the last album. So I'm okay. I am going my, my one vote is going to is going to Amster, actually. Mm. And uh, he, he, he's going to get my one vote. And the I struggled with my two and my three votes here. And here's how I wanted to do this, but I didn't because I know we got rules. Um, <laughs> I wanted I wanted my I just wanted to give the rhythm section. Just give the, the bass and drums, they get they get my three. But I know that's not how this works. No. So I, I had to I had to unfortunately cut uh, cut Mr. Alberts out. Which, which was, which, which actually pained me because I think that he does definitely bring a, a, a sound and a distinct vibe to this album. Anyway, I had to cut him. Uh, Zach Amster gets my one vote, and then Ryan Dewitt gets my two vote. I do, I love the sound of the drums. I love what the drums are doing on this album, and then, and then Iverson gets my three votes because he's not only is he holding it down on the low end there, but he's also singing. He's doing the man is doing. Heavy lifting on this album, um, uh, so uh, I, Iverson's getting my my three. The bass player gets the three votes from Scotty D, which means <laughs> you, listener, have to take a big drink. Uh, well done, uh, but well deserved. I, I have no arguments with you there. Let's um, really like it. Would love to see this band live. Let's let's hope that we get a chance someday. All right, that brings us to the close of our discussion there um i don't have a lot else to to mention i guess if you know speaking of end of year lists best of 2022 we've done two albums it's this or impera <laughs> they're both excellent maybe we don't maybe we shouldn't um let, let's give them equal first <laughs> i don't want to pick yeah two. i have to yeah i they are both. They are both really good albums. Yeah, and both. I will say this though that that Impera they seem to be. You know what I'm noticing is the lists that don't have uh, this album on it are the ones where Ghost Impera is the number one is is rated the number one album of the year. Right. I, I don't. I don't know that there's anything to that. That's just an observation that I made. Okay. Are there any albums you've seen popping up consistently on those lists that you're thinking, oh, I should have checked that one out? Yeah, I'm making that's, but that's not for now. That's for next time. Yeah. Okay. But I'm, what about bands that won't be on your, your. Well, I mean, they're, they're, yes. So the one that keeps, that kept showing up on our list, and I think I mentioned this a while ago, that New Machine Head album. Um, I finally, I finally broke down when it came out and, 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 and dived into that one. And, and I really like it. And it was like, because I know we kept 
I kept kicking Machine Head down because it kept showing up on our list. But then there was also that realization that they're nine albums in. We can't mm-hmm. to do nine albums would be a bit of a, a bit of a slog. Um, <laughs> so I did finally, and that that one's really good. I this is we're gonna lose we're gonna lose our listener on this one. I like the new Slipknot album. <laughs> I do. I really liked it. I know. I know the first track put a lot of people off. Uh, Adderall, I think. Um, I really like it. Hmm. There's a couple of other bands I've heard you speak about. It was a uh, Misty something. What's the Misty guy? Reverend Misty or Father Misty or something? Oh, Father John Misty. Yeah, he's got. A, he released an album this year. Uh, oh, did he? I. I yeah, guess I, I so. haven't. I saw him on a list somewhere. Yeah, I I kind of I I think that he was sort of of a time and a place for me. Like he had okay. he had an album that like really hit me at a moment, but I kind of I haven't really followed up on him. All right. Uh, for me, the one I haven't the obvious one for me is the, the Clutch album. I never really I've never really got oh. to that one yet. So Sunrise and Slaughter Beach is one that I really need to follow up on. There was a Russian Circles album released earlier this year that I really liked. Um, I think it's called Gnosis. Think so well that's maybe that's just the the track i've heard most okay. i don't know but the, the russians i really like them uh what else has come out that clutch year? album is it's really good it is really good i've been in fact i was just listening to that today when i had to go to the combini oh there you go. so yeah there's plenty out there it's kind of hard to it's so hard to catch up catch all the albums and give them the time I guess that's what it we're is. here well, that's, for. That's what we're trying to do here—to just sort of spend some time with an album. So, and that's I where I these... keep like cave in. By the way, I think their new album keeps showing up. Yeah, that's this. getting a lot of positive Angela. talk too. Mm. Um, I will say, uh, yeah, no, this is—it's—it's it's these sort of lists that really kind of help me start to build because for the next episode. Well, go ahead, introduce the next episode. All right. So yeah, we've run out of. Albums at this point, we've uh, we've finished with Cavalier Conspiracy last episode, and we've caught up with the new release from Abrams now. So we've got to pick some new bands. Hopefully, we can do that uh, very soon because we're both on holidays at the moment. So we, should, we might be able to find the time to do it in the next few days and get it out for our listeners. I sort of hadn't mentioned the possibility of uh, bringing some structure to it, so I want to float that idea with you now, with our listeners listening in. When we started this podcast, what I thought we would be doing, and you, and you could hear it in the bands we were bringing to our first couple of discussions, was catching up on older bands, you know, bands from the 70s and 80s that, that we hadn't really given the time. But we haven't really ended up going down that path. So I'm wondering if we can perhaps try and put some time restriction and I'd also like the I like it when we pick two bands as well because then we don't have to finish a band and then do the episode zero again so maybe and we've been talking doom a lot too so i thought maybe an old something old something doom i don't know yeah was i'm just spitballing here but uh you know how do you feel about about that or is there any particular genre or time period that you're interested in there is i'm i'm absolutely 100 percent on board with making these sort of theme like a, a thematic version of all right you know what let's we haven't done that we in fact we kind of there were I think early on we were mindful of the fact that we were trying to not just pick contemporary um, 
male American, right? We were, we were mindful of, we've done this before where it's like, we need to shake this up a little bit. We're kind of getting into a rut. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with doing that again. I will say though, that there is one band and I'm not going to mention it now. There is one band who's contemporary that I am really curious to dive into. That is, that does not, I think they're, they're more kind of doomy stoner, but they're not old. All right. Well, what if we so, go just something old, like rock, can be rock, heavy metal, whatever, something from the 70s or 80s? Like, yeah. Yeah. In any genre you want. But, yes. and say, so bring three or four bands each to that list and then do an, another one in the same episode of something doomy. Got it. So we end up with two 70s. bands an old one and a well, doomy on. one. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Was the 70s and 80s also supposed to be doomy or that was just 70s and no, 80s? No, no, that can be anything. Period. Yeah. Okay, so seven, one seventies and eighties, and one doomy. Yeah. All right, I like it. You got it. So the eighties, seventies, eighties could be Judas Priest if we hadn't. I mean, we'll both listen to them, but it could also be, you know, the Beatles or whatever, like or in their sixties. But no, I can you know, show. I rock, can show. anything, just something old, and then something doom. Is that and that what they say? Something old and something doom, isn't that when you, when you get married? Yeah, that's for it for your wedding. Yeah, right. <laughs> something old, something doom, something sterner, and old man gloom. <laughs> that was nice. That was the top of your head too. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, I can I can have deal. That. All right, well, let's try and do that. that in the next couple of days while we're both in this relaxed mood, and I've got a nice, quiet recording environment here. All right. Well, again, that's presupposing that I make it out of this. Yeah, with, a, with those dark, dark entities uh, seeping, building. seeping under the, the gaps in the doorways is, around just, your just building. For any listener who's still hanging on, I'm I'm in. Uh, yeah, I'm just in a big old dark, empty building, and in Japan. In Japan, and it's cold. <laughs> it's kind of like I'm like it's 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 so it's so stupidly dark right now everywhere around me. I'm the only, the only light, but I got to turn this light off to, to leave. <laughs> and I'm going to be, I'll be in the dark for Did you know like your school, that, that school actually used to be an asylum before, uh, before it was a school. I converted it. This, is, this is when I'll find out. This is when I'll find out. <laughs> I don't think I look, I, I love horror movies. I love reading horror novels and I don't think I really believe in that stuff, but it's moments like these where I realize whether I believe or not, I'm not prepared to find out you know what i'm saying it could be the friendliest haint inviting me on a picnic i'm not just cognitively prepared to deal with that <laughs> all right well, i hope you make it home safely uh <laughs> text me in the next couple of days and we'll see if we can find another okay another Sounds recording good. slot and uh yeah we've got a couple of days of freewheeling so i might catch up with clutch in in the meantime it's good. You like it? Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, Scott, and thanks, listeners. As always, uh, you know, we love uh, we love it when you uh, follow us through, and uh, always nice to get a new release. As I said at the opening, in the opening from from a band that we've already covered. Hope you've enjoyed what we had to say about this great album, and I hope you'll join us as we choose our next couple of albums in our next episode zero, and then follow us through as as you've been doing from there. Uh, we have been unshuffled. If you'd like to contact us, please do so. You can get us on Twitter at UnshuffledPod. 
Uh, we've got an email address, unshuffledpod at gmail.com, and there's a website where we put the show notes. I don't think there'll be, I don't think there's a lot of extra things to link from from this episode, but uh, I'll, I'll have a listen, and, and if there is any extra detail to add in the show notes, certainly a link to the artist's page and so on, we'll put that in the show notes on our website, unshuffledpod.com. As always, I'll thank Small Stone, and this has been a Small Stone release, so another example of the fine music that small stone put out and really you look through their entire catalog and it's very hard to find to go wrong you can just pick any album at random off the small stone website and you know it's going to be good the track you hear in the opening and closing is called vanguard by a band called seven planets off their excellent fuzzy stoner instrumental album called explorer which is well worth checking out too it's been a pleasure really enjoyed this album and may there be Many more excellent albums to come in 2023. Thank you, listener. Have a wonderful... I hope you've had a great festive season and uh, good luck for next year. And good luck to you, Scotty. We might even catch up before the new year. We'll see how we go. But uh, enjoy your your holidays over there. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, listener. And uh, yeah, absolutely. If we don't do this beforehand, happy new year to you all. Um, And if we don't do this beforehand, we'll do it shortly after. Speak to you soon. 